The Sanctuary, a community of Jesus people promoting the glory of God in all things to all nations through gospel-centered missional living. Whether it be working with groups in Africa to build orphanages and help rid the continent of AIDS, or feeding the hungry, giving to the oppressed, and helping the hurting who live in our own community, The Sanctuary invites you to be part of a culture of passionate service. You can change your world. Be inspired. Join the movement. We're talking about the Psalms. We're trying to remind ourselves and remember that uh, the Psalms are songs. They're hymns. Um, They were sung. These weren't things that people would read to one another. They were things that people would sing uh, to one another. So uh, we want to remember that. and We're trying to remind ourselves of that as we go through uh, the Psalms uh, this summer. And we've talked about Psalms. Uh, being the the background music of our lives um, as we walk through life and as we face different things in life. Uh, We've talked about how we want these psalms to remind us of certain things, to uh, point us to the Lord when we need him and when things are bad and when we're uh, having bad seasons in life. Uh, We want the psalms to be the songs that we kind of call up into our heads to remind us of those things. Sometimes music sort of sits in the background and, and we pull it up when we need to pull it up, right? So maybe you're driving in the car and you've got the music down really low. You're even having a conversation and one of your kids goes, oh my gosh, turn that up. That's my jam. That's my favorite song, right? And you got to turn it up. You know, it's like the background music until you hear your favorite song, you know? And then it kind of, you want to turn it up and listen to it. And if you listen to a, a, a movie soundtrack, anybody ever listen to movie soundtracks? Okay, if you ever listen to a movie soundtrack, there are songs on there. You're like, I didn't know that was in that movie, you know? It's just this background music that they play in certain scenes, you know, Dumbledore drops his wand. That's the name of a song. You know what I mean? Um, and it's just this song that they play in the background of a scene of a movie. Um, and you never even know that it's there, um, on some of these soundtracks, but there are times in movie soundtracks, um, when there is this resplendent, loud, memorable song, and it just kind of crashes in, and it's kind of the movie's way of announcing, man, I am here, let's go, this is going to be a great ride um, for the next two and a half hours, and so sometimes in the music of a movie, there's just glory and majesty in the music, you know, just in the, in maybe the theme song of something, so I've got some, several theme songs here, we're going to play through, just clips of things, and I want you to See what images or memories they may bring up in your head as we play through them. Go ahead. What's the first one? You remember that? Yeah, pull it off, man. Back when Superman had a phone booth, you know, he changed, he changed it a phone booth and he would tear his shirt off. And man, I remember that song. Some of us got to be a little older to remember that one, man. But I remember that movie and I remember, oh my gosh, a guy's flying on the screen, you know? And so that was amazing. What's the second one we got? (laughs) Isn't that funny? Turn up a little bit. I mean, it's going to come up, but just a little more. So he's jogging down the street, right? And he's airboxing while he's going down the street. (laughs) 
Everybody sing the song, remember? I don't know, they start, the choir sings there or something? I don't know what's happening, right? Goes up on the top of the stairs and he's jumping around and everything, right? What's, this, what's the movie for our younger people? Who, what is that? Rocky. So maybe our, some of our younger folks wouldn't have known that. Uh, Eye of the Tiger was the second movie, not the first one. That's the better song. Okay, next. <laughs> There's the Lost Ark, right? Again, everybody in your 30s is like, what is that? That's not Halo. I don't know what that is, you know? All right. What's the next one? Mission Impossible, right? Tom Cruise forever. That's for you, man. Is there is there one more? Two more. Just the last two here. of the Caribbean, right? One through 22, however many of them there are. Best music soundtrack ever. Go ahead. <laughs> Where's Noah? <laughs> And who like what, whatever one they showed just recently, and they didn't sh- they didn't play the theme song at the beginning. I don't remember which one it was, but it was a real disappointment, you know, when they showed the 20th Century Fox logo and they didn't go into that song immediately afterwards, right? So these are these huge, orchestral, loud musical pieces that kind of announce like you're in for it for the next two and a half hours, you know, um, something big is going to happen, something memorable is about to happen, and it's not going to be sneaking up on you. You know what I mean? It's going to be something that's kind of in your face for the next uh, two and a half hours. Psalm 29, some of your Bibles and the little titles that they put above um, the Psalms, some of your Bibles might say that this is the God of the thunderstorm. That's the name of this Psalm that some people have given it. 
that this is the God of the thunderstorm. And listen, we're going to look at it, and it's, it's loud, and it's inspiring, and it's kind of humbling as we walk through it. We'll talk about some of the things in here that make it humbling as God sort of just crashes into our story. And this really is sort of God's theme song. I don't know what's playing when Jesus comes back, you know, on the clouds, but I think it may be Psalm 29, and there's going to be some music to it, and somebody's going to be singing the words of this song um, as Christ kind of comes back in. It's just announcing the king is here uh, song that we're going to look at today. So we'll talk about the details of this loud psalm today. Look at Psalm chapter 29, verse 1. Ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in holy array. Seven times in this passage, this, Bible, uh, this passage, this uh, uh, psalm, is going to talk about the voice of the Lord. And there's, I'm not going to get into it, but there's lots of groupings in, in Hebrew thought, numbers meant something. And, and in this psalm, you have these numerical groupings of things. Seven times it says the voice of the Lord does something, says something in this passage. You have things happening here in groups of seven and four and twelve. And to a Hebrew mind, that communicates perfection. To a Hebrew listener, they're listening to the song, like, oh, that's the sixth time. That's the seventh time he said that. The Lord is perfect. That's the third time. That's the fourth time. The Lord is whole. The Lord is complete. The Lord is absolutely incredible. Every time they heard a numerical value in some of this, these, uh, these phrases that were being used, they were hearing, man, the Lord is amazing. The Lord is completely qualified. We're going to get to the end of it. And the Lord, it says the Lord is king. And he sits enthroned forever. And so basically what this psalm, this song is trying to remind us of in our hearts is that God is supremely qualified as the king of everything. And it's trying to re- remind us of that, okay, when we need to hear that. It uses that word ascribe. None of us ever use that word, right? That's a word that nobody literally uses anymore. But it says ascribe to the Lord these things, and it says it uh, in perfection, it repeats it that, that number of times. To ascribe to the Lord, that word just means give um, or acknowledge or to applaud the greatness of God. So maybe if you just stuck that in at the beginning of those verses, ascribe the greatness of the Lord, right? Ascribe to him, give to him the Lord glory and strength. So it's this idea, it's not that God is lacking praise, It's not that God is lacking glory. It's not that God is lacking majesty. We're giving something to him and honor to him that he already deserves. We're giving something to God that already sort of belongs to him, but we have it. So I want you to look at it this way. Uh, This last week, uh, Jenna went to a concert. She went to see Sam Smith on Wednesday night. And um, she did some video recordings of it. And uh, there are times you can't hear him singing because people are going crazy. They're just going insane, losing their minds, right? Mindy and I went this last uh, Christmas, and we saw Jordan Smith, the guy that won The Voice a couple of years ago. And my gosh, it was at the Smart Financial Center. You could have heard a pin drop the entire time this guy was singing. And when he was done, it erupted in praise for this guy. And, and to his due glory, he deserved every bit of it, to be honest. Couldn't applaud it for that guy long enough. You know, have you ever been in a place like that where something is so amazing, you can't cheer long enough for it, right? You know, some of us just got this taste of Astros last year. Some of you are still celebrating something that happened all those months ago. Get over it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. It's awesome. It's probably the last championship you'll have for a long time. So 
Enjoy it. I'm trying to encourage you. Enjoy it. Cheer. Yes, thank you. Appreciate that. Shout out. Glory on the back row. Enjoy it. There are things in life that we just praise, right? There are things in life that deserve praise. You don't sit back and go, hmm, should I clap for that? You know, you can't help but stand up and sort of erupt for it. This is the idea of ascribing the Lord glory, of ascribing the Lord majesty, where you can't not but help but stand up and scream and shout and praise him because it's his already, right? Because what you're seeing from him and who you know him to be, it belongs to him. And there's nothing else you can do but stand up and cheer for him. So that's kind of the idea here. So I guess part of my question is, is that I think we've given you a little bit of an opportunity this morning to kind of ascribe the Lord praise, to give him something that already belongs to him, to give him the glory that's due him. Some of us have already taken advantage of that this morning. Not all of us, but some of us have. But I think you can do it at any time. It, do, it shouldn't be in this room. This shouldn't be the place where you praise the Lord. This shouldn't be the only place during the week where you ascribe the Lord the glory due his name. That should be happening all the time. We're going to talk about some practical ways, I think, that that happens or that it, you have the opportunity to do that throughout the week. But that should be happening in your life kind of all the time. It's part of our ongoing conversation with God, right? There is this part of our conversation with God where he is our friend, and he calls himself that. He's our friend. He's our father. Um, he's our savior. He's our intercessor. He's all that stuff. And then there are times you just sit back and you go, wow, God. Wow. You're, you're incredible. And you deserve the glory, right? So we'll continue to look at that. So it's just part of our conversation with him. Unfortunately, I think a lot of us have a very utilitarian view of our religion and of our relationship with God. Here's what I mean by that. We tend to look at our relationship with God like, God, I'm going to give you praise, and I know you're going to give me good things in return. There's a very functional aspect to many of our hearts and how we approach worship and, and praise a lot of times. And we're, we're giving good things to the Lord or doing the right thing so that good things would come back to us. And so with this psalm is encouraging us to do, is reminding us to do, that we should just acknowledge the glory of God and see it everywhere. See it in everything. See it in life. See it in creation. Praise him. Just kind of revel in his glory. You know? Just sit and revel in it. I have a video on my phone where we went to Colorado earlier this year. We were right outside Boulder. And we went up on this mountain, this rock right outside of town. And we watched the sunset. And we didn't do anything. And we didn't really talk that much. We just watched the sunset, and I, I was so sort of overwhelmed. I, I wanted to catch it. You know what I mean? You can't really catch it in a picture or a video, but I wanted to have it with me. And I'll pull it up sometimes, and I'll just go, my gosh, God, wow. Revel, right, in the glory of, of God, not for anything, but just because he is, just because he deserves it. Everything you see in your life is evidence of the voice of God. Will you listen to him? Will you listen to the voice of God in your life? Now, that may be scripture, which we're going to talk about, or a counsel from somebody, or some interpretation of that word by somebody that's faithful, and you know, a faithful advisor or counselor. Sometimes it's just an urging to do something that is good. Like, well, God, I don't know, what the, I don't know how they're going to respond to that. I don't know how they're going to take that. He's not asking you to figure out how they're going to take it. He's telling you to do something good. Does that ever happen to you? You ever have like an urge to just do something good? 
And how many times do you talk yourself out of it? Because you play the what-if game. You immediately go into speculation, and you immediately go into, well, I don't know, what if he's going to, how's he going to say? What's he going to do? What's he, how's he going to respond? Right? And sometimes you just got to go. And you just got to say, okay, I don't know, I don't know how this is going to work out. It's kind of awkward. I'm going to go do it. Right? Everything around you is this kind of word from the Lord. The Lord is speaking to you. Sometimes it's in these urgings, and sometimes it's in things that are happening around you in creation. Sometimes it's specifically through the word of God. All of it, all of it is driving us to go, oh my gosh, God, glory. You are worthy of glory, right? So everything is driving us that direction. We don't want to be too utilitarian. We just want to give God the praise that he deserves. Look in verse 3. It says, here we go. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord hews out flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. And the voice of the Lord makes the deer to calve and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, everything says glory. Amen, man. What an amazing set of six verses that we're ha- we have here. David sees the power. He hears the voice of the, of the Lord in the destructive power of a storm. So most scholars believe two things are happening here. One, David has actually taken a pagan praise song to Baal and rewritten it. There are songs that we have, like worship songs, that we have in the worship of an idol called Baal back in those days. And it looks like it was so well known that David took it and rewrote it and used it to praise God. I'm not going to get into that. It's actually pretty incredible where that takes you if you go down that path. The other thing that's happening here, it's as if the writer of the original song was standing on the coast of the Mediterranean Ocean there in Israel and a storm brews up all of a sudden and and somehow he's almost like got a a supernatural perspective and he watches it roll in off the ocean over a mountain and down into a plain, uh, the plain of Kadesh and he's just watching it as it tears through, you know, uh, the land as it it comes on on shore and he is seeing uh, the power of the Lord in a thunderstorm. Have you ever done that? Right? When we first moved here, 15 years ago-ish, something like that, um, there was a summer when I was working here, and, and, and Mindy and the kids were back in Tyler selling the house, and I would drive back and forth. And, and I'm not exaggerating, it rained every day from May until December that year. We got some amount of rain every single day that entire time. And as I was driving back into Houston sometimes, late at night on Saturday, there'd be thunderstorms off in the distance, I had this little car, and I would try to drive through some of those storms, you know. And at some point, I just had to pull over, you know, and get off the road because it was that bad. But I remember not having lived in a tropical, subtropical environment before like we do here, being like in awe of the storms that I was seeing. I'd never really seen lightning displays like that before. Dallas, we get tornadoes, and you don't want to sit around and watch it, you know. You want to get away. But here you could see in the distance on the on the horizon, these giant thunderheads, you know, that had built up and just being in awe sort of of the Lord as you were driving on the road toward that. And there's an old song. Some of us are going to know these lyrics. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, 
I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. David's having that moment in this psalm. He sees the thunderstorm and he's like, God, you're great. God, you're amazing. And we still seeing words like that today. Now, let's take this and turn it from a physical storm into a uh, experiential storm, right? A circumstantial storm. David sees the hand of the Lord. He hears the voice of the Lord in this, this storm. Are you seeing beyond the storm that you're in right now? Are you seeing past the thunder clouds and the loud claps of thunder and the wind and the rain? Are you looking past that? Now, wherever you're at right now, your circumstances the particulars, the specifics of that could be very overwhelming to you. But the God that they reveal cannot be overwhelmed. So here's what I would say to you. C.S. Lewis said this in a different way, so I'm going to change this a little bit. I would say any need that comes into your life, no matter how great it is, displays or reveals the fact that God is big enough to meet that need. Do you all understand that? Like the biblical mathematics of how that works? There's not a need in your life, no matter how big it is, that doesn't display and reveal the fact that God's big enough to meet that need. Now, there ought to be a chorus of amens that resound through this room right now, because some of us have ridiculous needs, like needs we won't even talk to other people about, because they're so big, and maybe they're even embarrassing, and they're overwhelming. Any need that you have in your life, and I don't think I can say that too exhaustively, and you're like, well, Pastor Joe, I need cancer taken out. God, Pastor Joe, I need my finances to be restored. I need this, I need that. I don't know how God's going to show himself faithful and able to you. I just know that God will. And every need that you have in your life is an opportunity for God's ability to meet that need in your life to be displayed. Okay? So are you seeing through your storm, through the particulars that are overwhelming to the God that can't be overwhelmed by your particulars, you know? by your specific storms, have a way of reshaping uh, the coastline, you know, of our hearts. You come out after a storm. I know Jimmy was at the beach this week, and we were there a couple weeks ago. And you come out after a rain, a heavy rain or a storm, and literally the beach looks different, right? The coastline's been changed. We, we go through hurricanes here, and entire sections of beach and stuff just get wiped out. And the coastline, you lost some valuable property, you know, during that time. Coastlines get reshaped. But I behave differently based on what I'm seeing in the storm. And if I wait to develop my view of God until I'm in the storm, I will respond immaturely every time. So I have to take the opportunity when I'm not in a storm to shape a proper view of God and how he works in storms. Because if I wait till I'm in one, I'm going to have a really bad view of God. And I'm going to respond exceptionally immaturely during that time. So I've got to put in a lot of hard work when I'm not in the middle of something so that the next one comes and I'm a little more prepared. Not totally. I don't think you can ever be prepared. But I'm a little more ready to have a proper view of God when the next storm comes into my life. Like I told you earlier, that it looks like David took this song that was written to a pagan god and reworded it and used it for the worship of the Lord. In that song, the original song to Baal, Baal is talked about as riding on the clouds. He was the storm god of the pagans. He was the guy who controlled the fertility of the, the crops and 
made sure that rains came so that the crops would grow. He would ride in on the clouds of a storm. He was the one who gave productivity to those crops. So my, my question here, we're looking here at the psalm, and David's like, you guys got it wrong. You know, that's not who's coming in on the storm. It's, the, it's Jehovah, it's Yahweh, it's the God of creation. That's who's behind all of this. You guys are missing it. You're giving credit to the wrong person. So who are you crediting for your prosperity and your productivity? When you're in the storm, who, where are you pointing the finger at that point? David looks at the storm and he's like, God, God. And some of us look at the storm and we go, Satan, 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 Satan. Good stuff, Jesus. <laughs> right? David looks at all of it and he's like, no, God. God rides in on a storm. God rides in on the productivity after the storm. God. Satan may take an opportunity to come up behind the storm and wreak havoc in your life, but God is over the storm, guys. Who are you blaming? Where are you pointing the finger in the storms of your life? There are all sorts of other things that we can attribute our blessings to and our well-being to. Technological process, the stock market, capitalist economy, um, our own ingenuity, uh, ingenuity and hard work. What difference in your life would it make if you recognized and celebrated God as the ultimate sovereign and origin of life and blessing and everything that sustains it. Praise him in the storms and what he's going to form out of that, what he's going to bring out of that. So David, what I like about this, and all throughout scripture we get this, nobody's denying that a storm is there. Nobody's denying that storms are coming into your life. Look at the, at the times of Christ and the things that he taught. He's not saying pretend like storms aren't going to come. He doesn't even say don't pray that storms don't come. He's like, when you're in the middle of it, will you stand? What are you building on, right? Who are you going to acknowledge as sovereign over your life in the middle of those storms? That's the message of Scripture over and over and over again. So we're not denying it. We're just saying who's in the storm and who's bigger than the storm and what's he going to bring from the storm. That's what we're saying, right? So he sees beyond the storm. We have to see beyond the immediacy of the storm. God's voice comes, and he talks about God's voice here. It comes, and I, what I love about it is that it doesn't say there's a tiny sapling and God speaks really loudly and it dies, <laughs> right? That's not a really big God, you know? It says that God's voice shatters the cedars of Lebanon. Now, just to give you an idea, some of these forests are just completely gone. They've been wiped out, but there are still some there today. You can go see these cedars. The voice of the Lord doesn't crush a sapling, but the largest and some of the sturdiest trees in the world, the, the, the cedars of Lebanon, they can be 40 feet tall and 8 feet around. And David's like, the voice of the Lord shatters them like toothpicks. Makes nothing of these things that we find to be ancient and immovable. God speaks and they just blow up. Then he says that God's voice speaks in Syrian, right? That's in verse 6, Syrian. Uh, moves like a young wild calf. Syrian is uh, the Lebanese word for the Jordanian word for uh, Mount Hermon, which is the tallest mountain in Israel. So he's like, listen, God speaks and giant trees blow up and the biggest mountain you can imagine moves. That's what God's voice does. Not little things, big things. 
huge things, unimaginable things. That's what happens when God's voice speaks. It speaks with power. I just want you to think about this. Think about a five-day rainstorm, which was technically really all we got. A five-day rainstorm, and it crippled one of the largest cities in the world, one of the largest cities in America, one of the most technologically advanced cities in the, in the universe and in the known world, was crippled by just five days of rain. Where did that come from? What does the voice of the Lord do, guys? The unimaginable, things that you cannot even understand. And he says, rain there for five days, and look what happens. We've experienced that kind of power even here. has great power, and I want to talk about the voice of the Lord real quickly. We see the voice of the Lord throughout Scripture, and I don't want to underplay this. I really want to overplay it. I want to exaggerate it to a point where you walk away and you understand exactly what I'm telling you this morning, all right? The voice of the Lord throughout Scripture. God spoke. The voice of the Lord spoke, and everything that we know of came into existence. God spoke. The voice of God spoke, and he called Abraham, this moon-worshiping pagan, out out of Ur, to follow him and to be his people. God speaks to Jacob in a wrestling match and changes his name and sets him on a whole new course that leads us to Jesus Christ. Amen? The voice of God comes to Samuel at nighttime in a whisper and calls to him him, for him to be his man, his mouthpiece throughout his entire life. The whisper of a still, small voice after the storm to Elijah. Jesus Peace, be still, he says to the storm. He says to the woman caught in adultery, no one condemns you, neither do I. Go and leave your life of sin. The voice of the Lord says to the dead man, come forth. The voice of the Lord on the cross says, Father, forgive them. And he says, it is finished. The voice of the Lord says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The voice of the Lord talks to the Father on our behalf. These are the things that Scripture says about the voice of the Lord. And as amazing as it might seem that God would speak and a giant tree would blow up into splinters, I'm more, splinters, I'm more amazed that he speaks to God on my behalf. And he calls me friend. In Revelation, it's a loud voice like a trumpet, like the sound of many waters. Here in this text, it's seen in a thunderstorm. Now, here's what I want to tell all of us. There are times in your life when you need God to speak like this. There are times in my life when I do need him to just whisper to me, and I need him to come to me in the dark, in the secret place, and just talk to my heart. But guys, listen, there are times when I need God to show up. I need to show up in power, and I need him to do things that I cannot explain. That is what I'm ta- that's who I'm talking to this morning, and I know some of you are here today, and you need God to show up like this to show up with that kind of voice, to come roaring out of heaven and to shatter and to break into pieces and to make enemies turn their backs and to shoot out flames to burn up what's against you, to shake the desert that you're in and to bring new things to life. That's Psalm 29. And some of us need God to do that. We need the Lord to show up like that for us. There is no doubt about who's moving in this text and who's moving in these verses. This is what God is saying This is what God is doing, what he's speaking into. Now, for me, we're going to get into this a little more in a second, but for me, over the last year, Psalm 29 has been that for me. It has been God speaking into me. I'll tell you later, this is my psalm. You need to just mark it out of your Bibles. It's mine. I'm claiming it from now on. 
God has just used this one to just shatter my world in so many ways and speak into things that were not possible. Psalm 63 has been another one of those things. Again, over the last year, how has God just showed up in power? Man, when more than 40 people showed up at our house last August to pray for us, whoa, I couldn't have heard the Lord any louder than I did that day. And he spoke loudly in that time. Uh, those of you who came and sat with Mindy, I didn't call one person who, and I asked to come sit with her on a Sunday so I could be here with you. And nobody said no. That was the voice of the Lord that I heard very loud and clear during that time. Meals, daily texts, flowers, house cleaning, this little Red Sea book. The Lord has told me this morning that I'm supposed to give this to somebody, and I know who it is, but I can't give you this one. I've picked up Mindy's version of it, and it's got no tenant. I'll be killed if I give this one away. <laughs> but literally, the Lord told me this morning, I've got to give this to someone, so I've got one. I'm going to give it to somebody. This book has been the voice of the Lord. The Valley of Vision has been the voice of the Lord to me. Medicines that were approved for Mindy during her treatment, things that weren't available eight months ago are available today, that she started Friday night. That's just the voice of the Lord. I don't know what else to do with that. It's just the voice of the Lord speaking to us. Mostly, I think, for me, I don't know it all, but I need to learn mercy. And God has beaten the crap out of me with mercy over the last year. He's forced me into this place and spoken so loudly into a place that I have fought him for so long. And sometimes we need God to show up. Man, I would never... A year ago, I have asked him to speak like that, but he did. And sometimes we need God to show up, guys, right? To shout into our lives and to do these things that are just huge. So we would say, God, man, speak to me today. Really shout into my heart this morning and help me to listen and help me to hear. And at the end of it all, God, I just want to give you glory and I want to worship you and I want to tell you you're beautiful and that you have power and that everything is yours. And God, even anything that I think is beautiful, even anything that I think is glorious and majestic and whatever, you define all of that. I wouldn't even understand what any of it was without you. And we want God to speak to us like that this year and this morning. So this psalm shows us what it's like to praise God in the storm and to expect his voice in the storm. Now, most of us don't. I didn't. I didn't go in June 15th last year on our D-Day, Diagnosis Day, thinking, oh, God's going to really do some cool stuff. I didn't think that at all. I just didn't. It wasn't my expectation. Survival was my hope and my prayer, not the voice of the Lord's going to speak into me right now. We want to look at our storms as an opportunity for the Lord to just shout into our lives, to speak loudly into what's going on. I told you that Psalm 29 is mine, and I really am claiming it, so just mark it out. Go ahead. I'll wait. I'm kidding. On, I don't remember the date, but there was a day when Mindy had to go in for a biopsy over at um, Memorial Hermann, and I don't know, we were, we were novices. I was expecting it to go relatively quickly, and it turned into about a three-and-a-half-hour deal, and I knew at that point, so this probably isn't good. And if you've ever been to Memorial Hermann on 59, where Bennett, you were at the hospital that several years ago. And I went outside and I started walking the property. I just was walking outside. I just had to get out. I was so anxious. And I got my phone out, opened the Bible app, and I'm like, God, I'd just say something. Oh, I don't know. Psalm 29. That's where he took me. 
And I read it over and over and over again and prayed it over and over again. And that just became my prayer this whole time throughout this entire deal has been these words of Psalm 29. He gave it to me that day and I just walked around and I was like, God, I just need you. And I'm like, don't let it be true. And I'm keep Mindy today. Speak against this, God. Let your voice resound in her body. Shatter these things that are against her. And, and that's what I was praying. I became a very big charismatic that day. You know, just kidding. <laughs> I was praying about powerful things from the Lord, you know. Um, and I was like, speak against, I got specific. And I was like, speak against every cell in her body and shatter them. And take them out. And bring at the very end, we'll talk about it. But I'm like, be the king of her life and bring peace. We need that right now. And Psalm 29 became the way that the Lord shouted these things into my life. Verse 10. The Lord set his king at the flood. Yes, the Lord sits his king forever. The Lord sits his king forever. Because he sits over the floodwaters of our lives. In our existence, he is king. Because he sits and he rules over the chaos of this world, he is king. I want you to imagine this in your head. You're back in David's day. You're a farmer, you're a villager, a baker, a fisherman, you know, whatever your trade is. And you're a very small town, a little village. And you're surrounded by people who are singing a praise song to Baal. For Baal to bring the rain and the crops and their abundance. And when it doesn't rain, they're blaming him when they don't have the things that they need. Okay, so just imagine you're in that scenario. And you're in the middle of this crowd. And you sing this simple song. It's 11 stanzas long. About God's glory and his power and his sovereignty and his worth to be praised. So here we are with Fast forward to the 21st century, and you're at work, you're at home, you're with your family, and people are griping about what the president did do or didn't do, and what Congress did do and didn't do, and how you're making more money now because of a tax cut than you made last year, and you want more money next year, so you pray for people to do da-da-da-da-da. And we stress, and we sweat, and we just lose sleep over all these things that are happening in the stock market, and we're going to hit 30000 and what's oil going to be next week, you know, and all this stuff. And shouldn't we stand up in the middle of that crowd and sing a song of praise to the Lord and talk about his power and talk about his sovereignty and talk about his rule and talk about his glory that he deserves the praise for the boat that you have or the boat that you want or the house that you have or the house that you want or the car that you have or the car that he deserves the praise and the glory for it. Shouldn't we be the ones who stand up and we sing that song in the middle of the pagan praise songs that people are singing around us? all the time. Great songs like Though You Slay Me. Go look it up, Shane and Shane. Sing that song. Even If. Sing that song. Old, first old gray-haired people. A mighty fortress is our God. Why aren't we singing those songs when everybody else is pointing the finger to every other possible source of help and blessing in their lives? And we have an opportunity to stand up and sing a song of praise to the Lord. Talk about His voice in our lives. Amen? That's what we're being called to do. Here is the majestic thing about God and about the Lord God for the Bible. Like when God talks about himself in Scripture, when Scripture talks about God, he talks about himself and he says, listen, in droughts or floods or crops or lack 
or prosperity or health or illness, he is to be worshipped and acknowledged all the time. He's worthy of it all the time. And the Lord sits as king forever. (laughs) Amen? Amen? Some of us don't feel that way right now. God, he's not king over my husband. He's not king over my spouse. He's not king over my kids. He's not king over my loss. He's not king over my stuff. And he is. He is. He's not waiting on you to acknowledge him. He just is. Right? Some of us would go, I didn't vote for the president. He's not my president. Yes, he is. He's not waiting for you to acknowledge it. He doesn't need your handwritten note going, okay, you're my president now. He is. Like it or not, he is. Right? You guys, you understand that? God sits as king and throne forever, and he's not waiting for you to acknowledge it. He is. It's to your benefit when you do acknowledge it. But he's not waiting on you. Right? He is king right now, today. And it is to our benefit when we sit back and go, God, you're good. You're glorious and you're powerful and your voice shakes my life to the core. You are king forever. I think this is fully revealed. Again, we don't have time to get into the, just the nitty gritty. We could go through Psalm 29 for a long time. It's fully revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. 18 times in this song, the author uses the name for God, Yahweh. It's the, I think this, he uses one other word for God in here. But it's generally... 18 times in 12 verses, or 11 verses, it is the word Yahweh. That is God's personal name. It's the word that Jews no longer know how to pronounce because they give it such reverence. It's God's personal name. It's the God of covenant. When God said, hey, I want to have a relationship with you. My name's Yahweh. What's yours? That's how he introduced himself to people, right? It's it's not a title. It's his personal name. 18 times. Relationship. He's committed to his people In the New Testament, it's Emmanuel, it's Jesus. So what if you just took the word Jesus and stuck it in every time you see the word Lord? Right, let's just go through the beginning. Ascribe to Jesus, O sons of the mighty. Ascribe to Jesus, Lord and strength. Ascribe to Jesus the glory due his name. Worship Jesus in holy array. Does that change anything for us? This whole idea of God speaking and doing amazing things and this personal God moving in us, and strength and in power is fully culminated in the person of Jesus Christ. And he rose from the grave and he's still speaking these kinds of powerful things today. We see it all wrapped up and revealed fully to us in the person of Jesus Christ. God's voice is a reality changer. It enters into what you believe to be true. Man, some of us just have these things that they're true. Nothing's ever going to change that. Right? They're never going to change. I can never change that. I can never... That'll never happen. Who goes to an eight-foot tree that's 40 feet tall and goes, nothing can cut that down, man. That's amazing. I can't push that down. There's a mountain. Let's try to move that. You look at these things and you're like, that's impossible. The voice of the Lord speaks and it blows up into splinters and toothpicks. And the voice of the Lord speaks and mountains move. The voice of the Lord enters into our reality, our true truth, and shakes it and strips it down and purifies it with fire and brings new life about it. So you should be praying today, speak into me and change my reality. Change my soul. Change my heart. Change the things in my character that I think are unchangeable. The parts of me that everybody knows are my weaknesses. 
the parts of me that are the worst parts of me, and they're destroying my marriage, and they're destroying my ability to work with people at my job, and they're destroying my future. God, change me. Speak into me. Blow up in me what needs to be blown up. Purify what needs to be purified. Move mountains in my heart. Change my character. Some of us need to be praying like that today, not about our circumstances, but about who we are. The voice of the Lord just speaks into everything we can imagine, near and far, orderly and chaotic, and it changes all of those things. It's the voice of God. I don't want you to ever underestimate the power of God speaking through Scripture. I think we have seen this for thousands of years. Anytime we take the voice of the Lord that I hear in my heart and I equate it with what God has said in Scripture, I'm in a dangerous place. Everything runs through the filter of Scripture. Everything. Don't ever step outside of what God's Word says. Now, the Holy Spirit may urge you a certain way. He may lead you a certain way. But listen, if you don't put that, if you're not going to be submissive to Scripture, you're going to end up in a bad place. Even good things done to an extreme end up in a bad place. Okay? Everything gets taken back through Scripture. The voice of the Lord can break down our strongest defenses, can take apart our despair, free us from guilt, lead us to Him. So here you go. Here's a prayer some of us can pray. God, I want your power in my life. I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but I think this would be some of our prayers. God, I want your power in my life. And if I want your power in, in my life, God, I want to hear your voice. And you've already spoken to me in your word. Enable me to read your word, to mark your word, to learn your word, to inwardly digest scripture. And in the middle of that, God, let me encounter you. You're speaking to me now, today, through your word. Let me eat it. There's scripture verses that talk about people eating these scrolls, you know, and how sweet it was or how bitter it was, but it was this gift from the Lord, and they experienced the Lord in that. God, let that happen to me. Come alive in me through your word today. We're going to go into this extended time in a few moments of listening to the Lord, but I just want to stress, you can't divorce hearing God's word from his word can't divorce hearing the voice of the Lord from what he's already said. So what are we seeing in the storms of life? What song is playing in your storm? David looked at the storm and he was like, here's God's theme song. Here it is, man. This is going to be a rock and roll two and a half hours of something I'm not expecting right now. And he looked at the thunderstorm and he saw and heard the voice of of God, What song is playing in your storm? Psalm 29 is this big, booming announcement that God is king, and he is Lord, and he is the only reliable source of strength and peace in your life. Look at verse 11. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. I'm going to give you one more illustration. We'll be done. How do we understand this? So if we get a good storm here, a good rainstorm, how much water is falling on your house? Have you ever thought about that? Like in a good rainstorm, how much water am I really getting on my house? Let's say that your house sits on a one-half acre, a half-acre lot, and we get a one-inch rain, which is like a Thursday here. That, just, that happens all the time, you know? A one-inch rain is nothing. So we get a one-inch rain on a half-acre section of land. You have just received 13,577 gallons of water. A big bathtub holds about 40 gallons of water. So if you could save that inch of rainfall 
that fell into your land, you could take a bath every day for 339 days. If you capture the rainfall that comes from a one-tenth of an inch of rain, which is just nothing, that's like sprinkles here, you know? One-tenth of an inch of rain, if you were to capture that off your house through downspouts and put it into a bucket on a 20 by 30 roof, you would end up with a full 32-gallon container of water with five gallons left over. Now, why am I saying all that? Because here's what I want you to understand. Some of us would look at that and we would go, oh my gosh, it's raining again. Ah, it rains here all the time. That's why I feel about it. it. rains here all the time. Oh my gosh, it's almost like Seattle. I didn't move to Seattle, I moved to Houston, right? Listen, in that storm and in your storm, I think you look back at it and you go, God did that. Some of your theology is just puckering up like your belly button right now. You're like, oh, that's not right. God did that. Do you hear him speaking to you? God is saying, I just put 13,000 gallons of water on your land, and you're complaining. That's about $3,000 worth of water, by the way, if you were to go buy it. God says, I'm speaking to you in that. Are you listening? Do you hear me? Verse 9, it says, man, people, they look, they see the storm, and it's, there's damage afterwards, right? A, a mountain got moved and trees got blown up. <laughs> there's been some damage. And they look, and everybody in the temple goes, they got one word, glory. Glory. Some of us are like, well, I'm just adding it to my list of stuff to talk about Jesus. I've got a list of stuff I'm going to talk to Jesus about. And that storm is on the list. God, why did you make it rain so hard? Everybody else in the scripture looks at it and goes, wow. Glory. And that word glory means weighty, heavy, like uh, something that's so large. It's, a, it's, a, like, it's like a volume issue, right? It's so huge, I can't even comprehend it. That's like this word means. Glory. Verse 10 and 11, man, do you have strength? Do you have peace? Do you want those things in your life? Rest in the glory of God. Our souls are wired to want strength and peace. What are those two things? An inner resolve to not be ruled by anxiety. That's what peace means. And strength to be committed to those things. Where does that kind of peace and strength come from? It comes from the God who thunders in the storm, the God who burns the sun, the God who sustains the earth, the God who breaks the biggest enemies in my life. That God of glory lives in my heart through Jesus Christ. His glory is in me. That is where fear and anxiety get removed from my life because the God of the thunderstorm resides in my heart. So when your storm comes, when you get your biopsy back, when you get the phone call that nobody wants, only the glory of Jesus is heavy, weighty, and large enough to give you the inner strength and the resolve that you are desperate for in that moment. It is the only place to fall back on to get the strength and the peace that you want. When your storm comes and your little boat is just shaking and falling to pieces and you're grabbing onto anything that'll float, the only source of inner safety is the king of glory who lives in you. So now, 
I'm free to experience peace and strength. In the middle of that storm, I kind of come to this conclusion. I don't have to figure this out because the king sits on the throne forever. That's his job. I don't have to manipulate things to turn out for my best. The king sits enthroned forever. That's his job. So all that anxiety and that inner turmoil that I feel within me to make sure things work out for my benefit gets released because the weight of the Lord and the king of glory, Jesus, lives in my heart. I'm free to experience peace and strength. He is the, I don't have to be the final answer to everything. I don't have to take their happiness on my shoulders. The God who is the God of power, glory, and strength and peace lives in me, and he is speaking into and through the storm. So let's just be honest. Who are you today, right now? Some of you are in the middle of that storm. Or the coastline has changed so much you don't know where to put your anchor sometimes, I think. You know, on the back of a storm, right? Like, what happened to the harbor? I don't know where this bay is. I don't know where to go. Who are you looking for, looking to, for peace, strength, and glory? Who are you looking to speak into your storm? Some of us are listening to so many other voices when the bad things happen, the storms come, that we can't clearly hear the voice of the Lord. Everything else that you're looking to is a little G God that has no real power to provide and sustain and give you peace. Do you understand that? Everything else that you look at that goes, oh my gosh, help me out of this. Oh my gosh, sustain me through this. Oh my gosh, rescue me from this. Little G, little, little G God. God can use those things and he will use those things. But are you looking to them? Are you trusting in them for strength and for peace? Listen, you're going to drown in your storm if you don't have Jesus Christ in your heart. Some of you are here this morning and man, life is the worst of the worst or you're looking at something and life looks like it's going to be the worst of the worst, and you're religious and you're spiritual and you think the idea of God is great, if you don't have this personal relationship with Yahweh through Jesus Christ who came and died on the cross and rose again for your sins, you will drown. The ultimate final storm of your life is separation from God forever. And without Christ in your heart, you have no hope. That storm will consume you. You have to cry out to Jesus today and ask him to save you from that storm of sin in your life. Psalm 29, again, I think it's just a big theme song of God's story for this world. I want to encourage you to listen for the voice of God while you're in your storm, if you're going into your storm. And the voice of the Lord is reminding you that in your storm, that even now, God is speaking into your story. Even in that storm, the Lord's voice is resounding through it. Every wave, every thunderclap, Every raindrop is God saying, I am enough and I am king forever. So worship and prepare your heart and begin to ask yourself, God, what are you saying to me? What do you want to say to me? What are you saying to me right now? What am I not hearing? Right? God, I've been in this storm and it feels like it's not going to end. Or I'm on the backside and I don't know how, I'm just floating out in the middle of this big ocean and I, I have nowhere to anchor. Speak to me. Man, let me hear you speak clearly, God. Give me a scripture verse. Give me something that I can hold on to, but speak to me through this. Let me hear you. What is God calling you to? What do you need to pray about? What step of faith is he saying? Man, step out into the ocean and take this step, and I will guide you and put your feet where they will not fail. 
you guys bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to go back into a time of worship. We're going to sing a song, and I just want you to prepare your hearts. That's it. If you feel like you need to get up and pray, man, get up. There's going to be these needlers. Our prayer people don't get up yet. Our prayer counselors, stay where you're at. But if you feel like during this time you need to get up and go pray, our kneelers are over here. You can come to the front and pray. In just a moment, we'll have a time for you to respond. Like the Holy, We've asked the Holy Spirit to be here. We've talked about the voice of the Lord speaking to us. And we're going to give you a chance to listen and obey. Some of you are going to need to walk out of the room and text or call someone. You're going to need to start a process. Hey, listen, I need to be right with you. God's, he's telling me I've got to get this right. And you need to start the process. You need to forgive someone. You need to pray for someone. I don't know. But we're going to listen for the Lord. And we're going to listen to his voice. And we're going to say, God, even if you call me to step out into the storm and the waters and the waves, I'll do it. But I need to know it's you. Speak to me. So as we sing this first song, just prepare your hearts and your mind. And then we'll go a time of, of extended response in just a moment.